This is Dave Kirpin, author of Likeable Social Media. Keep listening because you rule! Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, where each week I publish an interview with the author of a new marketing or sales book, and which has been named by Forbes and LinkedIn, amongst others, as one of the top marketing podcasts. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's website page at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since I get to read every book featured on the show, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or any other resource I know of for whatever challenge you're facing, send me a LinkedIn connection invite with a message that you're a listener, and I will do my best to get you pointed in the right direction. My name again is Douglas Burdett. All right, let's get on with the show. Today, we're joined by Dave Kirpin, and we're going to talk about his book, Likeable Social Media, Revised and Expanded, How to Delight Your Customers, Create an Irresistible Brand, and Be Amazing on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. Dave Kirpin is an entrepreneur, author, and former reality television personality. He first received media attention in the Boston sports market in the late 90s and early 2000s for his unique vending sales strategies at professional sporting events. He went on to appear as a contestant on Fox's 2003 reality television series, Paradise Hotel, and earn additional media attention for his sponsored wedding in 2006. He's currently the CEO of Likeable Local, a social media software company for small businesses, as well as chairman of Likeable Media, a social media marketing firm, and in addition to the New York Times bestseller, Likeable Social Media, is also the author of the books Likeable Business and Likeable Leadership. Dave is a frequent keynote speaker at venues around the world and a contributing writer for LinkedIn, Mashable, Inc., Fast Company, The Huffington Post, Forbes, and The Washington Post. His work has been featured on CNBC, ABC World News Tonight, CBS Early Show, BBC World News, and The New York Times, among others. Dave, congratulations on the revised and expanded likable social media, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thanks for thanks for having me, and you know all those media outlets, and now the Marketing Book Podcast. So I, now I I'm ready to retire. Yes, I didn't want to say anything, but uh, you can. Yeah, if you know, it, it's it, you have to work up to it. I, I, I guess, David, it's so great to have you on the show for many reasons. The most important one is that you rule. Well, thank you. So you, you do you do, do Douglas? Do you go back to my my Crunch and Munch guy days? Yeah, I was going to say. You know, there are. There are one or two listeners maybe who don't know you well or, or, or don't know you but are going to know you in, uh, in the next few minutes. And I was wondering if you could just walk the listener through a little bit about being the crunch and munch guy, a reality TV star, political candidate, and your wedding. Yeah, well, the, I mean, the, all four might take the, your entire time. But, <laughs> you know, my first, my first gig, where, really where I fell in love with marketing was in the Boston sports scene in, in the late 90s while I was in college. And I took a, a job working as a ballpark vendor at the Boston Garden and Fenway Park. And I ended up, uh, my first day on the job, I had a product called Crunch and Munch, and it was the worst selling product in the building and uh, only sold 10 boxes. Came back the second day, determined to figure out how to sell more product and uh, developed a bit of a shtick with singing and dancing and yelling at people that they rule and ended up selling a heck of a lot more Crunch and Munch because of that and, and generated a ton of media attention and really fell in love with sales and marketing and PR and never, never looked back after that. And, and you would autograph the, uh, the boxes? 
That's right. You know, I didn't really do. Uh, I, I, I I lucked into a lot of it. I really didn't have I didn't have any talent actually singing or dancing. But one smart thing I did, I guess, as a marketer was the day that I was um, first written up in the Boston Herald. Somebody asked me for their autograph. I, I guess they couldn't get any players, so they had me autograph their box. And the one smart thing I did that day was I proceeded to I asked the woman if I could borrow her sharpie, and I proceeded to sign every box of Crunch and Munch that I sold that night unsolicited. And the amazing thing was that happened in the building was by the end of the night, I had somehow created the perception in the building that not only did you need to buy a box of Cruncher Munch, but you need to get it signed. And that, that led to sales skyrocketing uh, after that. And, you know, I didn't have to, uh, I didn't have to sign them unsolicited after that because people would, people would bring their own Sharpies and have me sign their boxes. And it, it, it got pretty crazy. I had, I had a real blast doing it. And are these being sold on eBay now? I swear to God, I did see one on eBay for like 17 bucks, which was pretty funny. Um, and, you know, I, I have a running joke with a couple of my friends. Uh, you know, this is now uh, almost 20 years ago. So I wonder how many people still have their autographed boxes. I have, I have had a few occasions where people have told me that or, or screenshotted or shared their, their pictures and that they still have their autographed boxes to crunch them much, <laughs> which, is, which is pretty hysterical. That's great. And is it true that Rick Pitino had you removed from the venue because you were distracting the players? Yeah. You know, I was, I was doing my thing, singing and dancing. And sometimes the players would pay more attention to me than to Patino and, and they could upset him a lot. Uh, so, but the good news was I actually outlasted Patino in, in Boston. Yeah. <laughs> they chased him out before, before me. So, well, well, let's jump to your, to your wedding. It's such an incredible story. If you could just share that with the listener. Sure. Sure. So, um, you know, I, I got together with my with my now uh, wife, and we both had a pretty strong sales and marketing background. I had actually been the number one salesperson for Radio Disney until she had started working at the company, and she had dropped me to number two. And of course, if you can't beat them, join them. So when we <laughs> got engaged, uh, we wanted to have a really big wedding. You know, for me, I've always loved being thinking big and kind of uh, being out there in a big way, right? Yeah, that was probably uh, already uh, established by that point in your life. Exactly. It actually was. It was pre-social media, but but uh, that's why social media is perfect for me. I'm, I kind of like that larger-than-life thing. So my wife had this really killer idea to create a sponsored wedding promotion, and we pitched the Brooklyn Cyclones, a minor league affiliate of the Mets, and they said yes. And so we what we ended up doing was getting married at the end of the game, and selling all of the uh, promotional inventory from the game to our wedding vendors. So 1-800-Flowers sponsored our flowers and Smirnoff sponsored our alcohol and David's Bridal sponsored our bridesmaids gowns and so on and so forth. And throughout the game, we did various promotions and giveaways um, to, uh, you know, to thank our sponsors and to, to give back to our sponsors. And then uh, at the end of the game, we got married in front of uh, 500 friends and family and about 5,000 uh, strangers that had attended the game. Uh, and it was just an awesome, awesome wedding. I had such a great time. I'm a huge baseball fan, so that worked out really well. But as it turned out, it was a very, very successful marketing event as well. We generated about $20 million worth of earned media, ABC World News Tonight, CBS, New York Times, CNBC, and thousands of blogs. And back in 2006, blogs were the kind of main source aspect of, of, of social media. So after the, after the wedding, our vendor said, this was amazing. What are you guys going to do next? And we couldn't get married again, so we started a company instead. 
And uh, what what happened? There was so much uh, activity and 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 response that the, did they? Some of those sponsors came back and said, "What else can you do for us?" Exactly. They got so much media. I mean, to date, it's the number one uh, PR promotion that 1-800-Flowers.com has ever done. They were featured in something like 86 television stations uh, uh, around the globe, and they were just thrilled with their press. Smirnoff, who did our alcohol, was, uh, was thrilled with, our, with the press. Entenmann's, who had sponsored our desserts, uh, was thrilled with the press. And actually, even uh, nine years later, Entenmann's is still a client of, uh, of my first company, of Likeable Media. So it's, it's, um, it's been a pretty amazing ride. Yeah, and you also had other uh, even more current case studies in the book about some of those brands. Let's move on to the book, and let me open with a, a quote. Senior management and anyone in a communications position, for that matter, needs to know that marketing in, in a social media and Facebook world is not about broadcasting your message and getting the largest reach and frequency. It's about tapping into the conversation, listening, engaging, and empowering. The loudest, biggest spenders don't win anymore. The smartest, most flexible listeners do. So, Dave, what is being likable all about in this context? Yeah, so it's about it's about listening and it's about being flexible and nimble when you do actually talk. Um, so much of of marketing and communications is listening, and yet that's the part that we almost always take for granted as we're focused on the talking part. The thing about social media is it makes the listening part so much easier and so much more uh, insightful than it's ever been before. You know, listening has always been a part of marketing communication, but in the past, listening was done via focus groups, uh, some surveys, some market research. Well, now the reality is that your social media is your 24-7, 365 focus groups, surveys, and market research. And your ability to tap into that listening is, is really only limited by the hours of the day and the staff that you can put on it. There's just such a wealth of information that you can glean from listening in social media and then use that, of course, to inform your, your, the talking part of your communication strategy. Mm -hmm. This book seemed like a book that is a great one to hand to a CEO or a business owner and say, look, don't be so afraid of social media. And the book has, for the listener's benefit, it has 18 strategies uh, about uh, using social media, building your brand, and um, being successful. And then at the, append the appendix is sort of a refresher course on the nuts and bolts of the popular social channels. Let's dispel a couple of social media myths. What can social media not do that some people think it can do? Sure. So social media is, is not, uh, I guess, first and foremost, it's not going to happen overnight. There's just social media is about building relationships and uh, word of mouth. And that just doesn't happen overnight. It does take time. Um, also, it's not free. The major cost to social media done right is time. And time is money, of course, whether it's your time or a consultant's time or a staff person's time or agency's time. Uh, it's not free. And finally, and probably most important, social media is not going to make up for a bad product or service. In fact, if you have a problem, major problem with your product or service, 
it's going to make it worse to amplify the <laughs> the volume around you know conversation around that product or service. So, you know, when when folks come to us, we always say, you know, if the product's not there yet, work on that before you really work on your social media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you say if your company's not prepared to embrace the good, the bad, and the ugly, then social media in general isn't right for you now. That's right. But I'm wondering if some uh, companies are using that to say, oh, well, we got a, a, a few problems. And it makes me wonder if they use that as cover for, well, let's, let's not get in, involved in social media. We're afraid somebody's going to say something bad about us, which I guess at that point you start talking about United Airlines and guitars. Well, look, something, something, something uh, people are going to talk about you and you have a choice. You can either completely ignore it or you can deal with it, join the conversation, embrace it, and try to amplify the positive and deal with the negative. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the United, Break, uh, United Breaks Guitars example is, is still quite classic, right? Um, uh, Dave Carroll, musician, takes a cross-country flight uh, with United. His guitar breaks. He complains. They ignore him. And he's a musician, so he writes a little song and, and records it on YouTube, a song called United Breaks Guitars. And you know, 20 million views later, United Breaks Guitars has been the kind of case study for what not to do in uh, paying attention to your customers and social media. So whether you're the size of United Airlines or a lot smaller, uh, I don't think you really want to risk giving people the impression that you don't care about them. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. So, so you have to... At this point, join uh, the conversation. And, and I think that certainly all big businesses are there. Uh, there's a lot of small businesses that aren't quite there yet, but they're on their way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, you say in the book there's no way for an organization to use social media successfully if the organization simply silos the work to marketing or advertising. Why is that? Well, the thing is that uh, when, when social media first you know, started uh, happening, it, it was thrown into marketing and then PR. And now the big thing is sales. But the reality is social media affects all, all forms of your, uh, all, all departments, all aspects of your business. And, you know, social media might be owned by marketing, which is actually, I think, a great idea, but it has to be embraced by everyone from customer success to sales, to operations, to PR, uh, to corporate communications. Uh, social media now is just such an uh, um, omnipresent aspect of all of our lives that you know, if you're in business, you, you've got to make sure you're addressing it, whatever it is you, that you do. Um, and so while marketing can own social media, um, it, it's got to be a part of really, really everything. Every aspect of the business. Yeah, it kind of brings to mind, like, do we have one telephone operator or do we have phones on everyone's desk? That's right. <laughs> I'm sure businesses had to deal with that at, at some point. Now, you came from traditional media, radio sales, and you say in the book, just because targeting through traditional media is better than it used to be doesn't mean it's the best. Can you explain what you mean by that? Well, sure. I mean, look, media targeting has gotten better and better. Yeah. Um, and that's great. But I have, I, I, the reality is there's really no targeting on the planet that's as good as Facebook. No, nothing even comes close. Mm-hmm. The fact that you, know, you can target on Facebook based on any individual's actual interest, zip code, job title, 
websites that they visited. Um, it, it's just, it's so much better. And Facebook has so much data now on so many people that whether you want to reach a super, super targeted uh, group of, say, 10 people that are the, the 10 CEOs in your town who work in the finance industry and are looking for a new vendor. Uh, or, or Carrie people, Kirpin. Exactly. Or, right, Carrie Kirpin, who I, I target, or talk about targeting the book, nano-targeting. Right, reaching, one person. Uh, reaching one person as I target 35-year-old uh, married employees of Likeable who <laughs> right. uh, live in Port Washington, New York, and target my wife. Or whether, you wanna, whether you're a consumer brand and you want to target you know, 100 million people, the, Facebook now has both the targeting potential and the scale to reach really a- anyone you want and not waste. Because no matter what, you, when you buy traditional media, you're, you're, you're wasting. Um, no matter how targeted it's gotten, there's still a lot of waste. Whereas with Facebook and, and, and LinkedIn, you can re- literally just target the very people that you, you, you want and need to reach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, as it relates to social media, you say that transparency is no longer negotiable. Can you explain what you mean there? Sure. I mean, increasingly, companies that try not to be transparent get found out anyway. The reality is that... And governments, too. That's right. No, it's true. And, you know, we just live in the, in the smallest, most interconnected world that we've really ever lived in, thanks to technology and social media. And you can either embrace transparency and be loved for it, or you can hide behind, you know, try to hide and eventually get, get, get found... And, and and hated for it. And and it, it just seems to me that transparency is a much easier way, embracing it, transparency is a much easier way, not not only to market, but to live. Um, because you know, you don't you don't have to worry about what you said to whom. And yeah, yeah. our sort of uh, open book uh, transparency around our companies and uh, our business business plans has really um, has really helped quite a bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, now, one thing that you can do with social media that is, again, I think very new for a lot of companies is uh, questions. So what are the, the marketing value of questions? Well, the idea uh, behind my talking about questions in the book is that uh, questions give you answers. And by asking questions in social media, you're going to get uh, that all-important engagement that people talk about much more likely than if you don't put questions out there. Unvarnished truth, too. It's not like you're in a focus group where people are kind of trying to tell you what they think they want the respondents to, the, 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 the an interviewer to say, to hear. You, you actually get, I think, much more honesty. That's right. That's right. So, so brutal you know, honesty. There, there, there is just enormous value in asking questions and using channels like Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to ask your audience what they want, to ask your audience what they need, to ask your audience what they like about you, what they don't like about you, what you know, what their wishes are, what their unfulfilled needs are. There's just so much when I think about marketing, product marketing, uh, R and D that can be answered by some simple questions. In, in, in social media, it's, it, 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 it's amazing. And that, that part is actually still, you know, even as companies, you know, we, we, we wrote the, I wrote the book originally five years ago and mm-hmm. the new book, as you mentioned, is revi- revised and expanded. So, um, you know, a lot of things have changed, but surprisingly, some things haven't changed <laughs> with things like 
company's uh, inability to embrace, you know, you really using questions to gain insights. And, 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 I, and I wish I saw more of that today. Do you occasionally feel like you're taking crazy pills to use a Zoolander reference where you, you're just thinking for the rest of my life, am I going to be explaining some of these things and people are just going to resist? Yeah. I mean, at this point I've gotten so, I, I did for a while feel like that with the crazy pills. And at this point, enough people have, have started to get it. And I've also kind of done this for as long as I have that, that, um, I'm just used to it now, and nothing really surprises me anymore. But I'll tell you what I have witnessed, and we have two companies. We have one that works with big big brands, mm-hmm. and we have one that works with small businesses. I have witnessed a shift whereby today um, I get a lot of the same questions and kind of surprise looks from small businesses that I got that I got from big businesses a few years ago. At this point, most marketing teams at big businesses are kind of there. They like being reminded of, of, of all the key tenants that I, that I write and talk about, but they're kind of there. And, but it's the small businesses, the small business owners that still kind of really need help getting there. But I think they'll get there. I think within a couple of years, this will, be, this will be accepted as kind of common business practice. I, I certainly hope so. Mm-hmm. Why do still companies give up on content and social media so quickly? I mean, not all of them do, but it seems like a lot of them just don't seem to want to stay with it they do and it's, i think it's the nature of the beast in terms of uh, our, our 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 need for immediate uh gratification and we're just especially small businesses are just so desperately in need of roi and like i said immediate gratification that you know they'll they'll finally try something like social media and then it won't work for or content marketing and then it won't work for you know a couple of weeks and then it's like this isn't working i mean we we have you know we sell year long contracts to our software and we get calls from people like sometimes 2 weeks in they're like this i haven't got any customers yet <laughs> and and it's amazing to me and it's like okay okay i hear you let's breathe this is going to take some time you, you know, just like you wouldn't walk up to someone at a cocktail party and show them your watches and expect to get sales right away, you can't do that online. You, yeah. It's going to take some time. But it just – I think people people um, need to get used to that that paradigm. And until they do, there are going to be some that, you know, that do give up too early. Uh, that's, yeah, it's a shame. But it's like planting a fruit tree. It's not going to – start yielding fruit right away. That's right. One thing I wanted to make sure the listener was familiar with uh, or reminded of was the DND. Can you explain what the, the do not delete rule is? Sure, sure. So what we, what we believe is that not responding to a comment on social media and certainly deleting a comment in social media is akin to a response in and of itself. Not responding is a response that says, uh, you don't care about the customer, so <laughs> screw you. <laughs> screw you. I mean, I mean, I, I like to, I like to put it this way. Can you imagine if somebody called you up and you like just a customer called you up and and was talking to you and you just hung up the phone on them? Of course not. Well, can you imagine if a, a customer called you up on the phone in the middle of a football field with thousands of people watching on the sidelines and you just hung up on them? 
Of course not. And yet that's what happens when you're deleting or not responding to a comment in social media. So, so yes, we, we believe in the do not delete rule. Uh, the, only, the only cause for deletion of comments would be uh, profanity, bigotry, uh, obscenity, or, or calling out the name of someone's personal information that isn't appropriate. Besides those things, don't delete. Instead, respond positively indicating that you're going to solve the problem privately. So we're sorry you're having an issue. We've and sorry doesn't mean you're guilty, message. right? Right. That's right. Sorry, despite what lawyers keep telling me, is not an admission of guilt. It's just empathy. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I'm sorry is infinitely better than our apologies, which sounds robotic and ridiculous. So say I'm sorry and you're having this experience, you feel this way, et cetera, and I've sent you a private message to help fix the problem. Then, of course, you fix the problem. You know, basic <laughs> Very important. Service, fix the problem. <laughs> exactly. you got to actually fix the problem, right? So I, I use, we use the last methodology, listen, apologize, solve, and thank. And, and then um, the world knows, will know that you're the kind of customer, you're the kind of company that cares about its customers. Yeah. That's really, really important because, you know, it's not – it's not the individual customer that's essential, although obviously it's, it is good to take care of each customer. It's the fact that nothing, nothing goes away on the internet. So, you know, you don't respond to something. Well, first of all, if you delete something, you're encouraging the uh, customer to go, you know, pull United Brakes guitars and go get louder somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But if you don't respond to something, you're, you're not telling the world that's watching that you care. And, you know, you'd be surprised. People find reviews from months or years ago and it's not the negative review that's going to be the problem it's the fact that nobody responded mm-hmm. that's going to look like a problem yeah and i th- it, you know it's never the crime it's the cover-up that's right <laughs> and it I, I i may be like other people and maybe not but if i have uh worked with a company or bought something from them and there was a problem and they resolved it I become unbelievably loyal because I saw how they react in a bad situation. And That's right. and all these people I, I just it doesn't seem like people are angry that something went wrong. It's it's did you deal with it? That, 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 that's absolutely right. And, and, you know, the thing is we're all humans and we all make mistakes and therefore we all understand that other behind other companies are humans that make mistakes. So it's not the fact that something goes wrong. It's the fact it's how they respond afterwards that really yeah. makes a difference. And how they respond sometimes turns me into an unbelievably loyal customer. That's right. And it probably even makes them seem more human and, uh, and uh, approachable. So even better. That's right. Um, I'm waiting for the company with a corporate strategy of messing up in order to solve people's problems uh, after you mess up and then make people love you even more. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Right. So, uh, Dave, if, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it might be? Well, you know, I think as a, as a general rule of thumb, social media is is not nearly as complicated as it, it as people make it out to be mm-hmm. uh, there are lots of different tools and networks but there are some really basic strategies you know that we probably all learned in kindergarten listening storytelling uh, gratitude uh, authenticity transparency that if we embrace these basic strategies uh, we can do very well in social media 
Mm-hmm. That's great. And what happened after kindergarten? Were all those things surgically removed from us? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so let me ask you a couple questions popular with the, the listeners. Are there any uh, recent marketing or business books you have read that you recommend? You know, probably my favorite business book of all time is a book called uh, Give and Take by Adam Grant. It's a fantastic book. Um, I read really all things Seth Godin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Dory Clark, who I know you've had on the, this podcast. And mentioned books. you. Oh, well, there you go. So I'm glad to mention her at the same time. Uh, I love Eric Qualman, um, who's written a number of social media books. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a huge reader of and fan of uh, Jay Bear. I love, love his books. He's mm-hmm. got a new book coming out that I'm looking forward to. So Yeah, which actually uh, you talk about uh, what his book is going to be about, apparently, because you talk about how you can actually turn a complainer into a supporter. That's right. That's right. And, uh, yes, I, so I... So I, so I hear Hug Your Haters is uh, exactly uh, that. Yeah, so I, and I see that one part of your book. I'm thinking, wow, there's going to be a whole book about just that one, uh, that one section. Are there any other books besides Jay's that uh, you're looking forward to uh, seeing when they come out? Yeah, I mean, there, 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 there are lots. I mean, really, so all my favorite you know, prolific authors like Seth and, and, and Jay and uh, uh, Guy Kawasaki, I, you know, I... I, I um, I, I devour them and, 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 and always look forward to, to new books from my favorite authors. What about Dave Kirpin? Don't you have another book coming out next year? Artificial? I do. I do. I'm super, super pumped. Come on, uh, Dave. We got to, we got to, well, you know. Well, you know, I, you know, you, you, I know you're not bashful. You're giving me the chance to plug it. So I, I will take it. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's my biggest book yet. And, uh, you know, my first book, Likeable Social Media, it was all about, social media and, and then my next was about business and my third about leadership this one is uh, is about influence of all kinds and it, it, it's it's literally it's the art of people 11 skills to get you everything you want in your career and in your life and so i'm really excited about it i, I basically took the the kind of dale uh, carnegie model how to win friends and influence people and updated it for today's day and age and um yeah i'm, I'm, I'm super pumped about it too i you know I, you have a lot of marketing authors on, on this book uh, on this podcast so you know that not everyone always adores their publisher i've been so blessed in working with crown R- random house to, they're unbelievable uh, awesome publisher and and yeah and so i'm super excited wow great well Tell them to tell their marketing authors uh, about this really cool podcast you're on. Based on the topic of that book being a little broader, even broader than social media, it's it's probably going to be your biggest seller. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to it, and 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 they are they're really being great about supporting it, and it's available for pre order on Amazon now. And you know, we'll we'll, we'll see, we'll see. Crossing my fingers, and 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 looking forward to uh, seeing uh, what the market thinks. So, Dave, how can listeners best find out more about you and your book? Well, you know, the cool thing about social media and sort of being really active on it is that it's really, really easy. Um, And one of my core values is responsiveness, Douglas. So if listeners have any questions uh, anytime, they can tweet me. That's probably the best way, at Dave Kirpin. And I respond to pretty much everyone that that writes me, even though I get thousands of tweets every week. But uh, they can also also Google – me and 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 likable and really you know anywhere you look for the word likable online fortunately you you run into one of my companies or books so yeah uh, happy to happy to always to uh, help people get what they want and need uh, by putting them in the right direction that's super just a final quote from the book 
The contents of this book alone are likely difficult to digest and implement. So I suggest that when you first explore all the possibilities social media has to offer, you concentrate on these four key concepts. Listen, be transparent, be responsive, and be likable. The name of the book is Likeable Social Media, Revised and Expanded, How to Delight Your Customers, Create an Irresistible Brand, and Be Amazing on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. The author is Dave Kirpin. Dave, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, to you and to all of your audience, I say, you rule! And that closes the book on another episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and found it helpful. If you are one of the hundreds of listeners who have left an iTunes review, please let me return your kind favor by mailing you some Marketing Book Podcast bookmarks and laptop stickers. Just send me your mailing address anywhere in the world and I'll drop it in the mail. And remember the words of the entrepreneur, author, and motivational speaker Jim Rohn who said, formal education will make you a living, self-education will make you a fortune. Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.